Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. There's another lesson that we gained from all this, this in the way emphasis. And it's not to overlook that it was not just Rachel who died in the way, but there was a birth along the way. There was a birth in the way. I mean, Benjamin, let's not, if, you know, let's not forget about the poor little guy. You know, Benjamin, he was born when Rachel died in the way, which means that, that, that Benjamin was born in the way. Benjamin was born during the pilgrimage, and our life is a pilgrimage, and we are like born in the way of our pilgrimage. Now, we see this first mention here of the city of Bethlehem in verse 19, and it's, you know, first mentions are always significant in the Bible. And this is the first mention of the city of Bethlehem. And we see a picture with the first mention of Bethlehem of a death, the death of Rachel, and a birth, the birth of Benjamin. And we cannot see this first mention of Bethlehem without thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see clearly here with the mention of Bethlehem and the death of, of Rachel, she gives birth to the new life in Benjamin. We see clearly that with this mention Bethlehem, death of Rachel, birth of Benjamin, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's born in Bethlehem, and he dies later, and he gives new life, us, which is his church. And every believer has life because the Lord Jesus Christ died to give us life, which is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.10. 1 Thessalonians 5.10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him, you know? Who First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians five ten, who died for us that we should live, and as Rachel died for Benjamin that he should live, and so the Lord Jesus Christ died for us that we should live. So we also see how Rachel's travail here brought this life of Benjamin. I mean, travail. This is the word that Paul uses, travail, when he describes what he's doing for the church of Galatian, the book of Galatians. Chapter four, verse 19, Galatians four nineteen. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Paul, he worked so hard in prayer for the Galatians. He worked hard in teaching and caring for the Galatians that he called it travail until Christ was formed in them. Now, we read about what happened to Rachel as she was giving birth to Benjamin in verse 16 when it says she journeyed from Bethel, there's but a little way to come to Ephrath. Rachel travailed and had hard labor. It says that she travailed. Yeah, okay, it's the word, English word they chose. But the English here doesn't have quite have the same meaning as the Hebrew, because the Hebrew word here for travailed is yalad, 
yalad. And that's the word that we that, that also coming the little child. Do you know what that is? Little child or son? It's yaled, yaled, yaled. So uh, yaled is, is derived from yalad, okay? So the two words are related. So really it's childbirth and child. And, and that's the basis for really seeing this verse. You really should see it as uh, Rachel was in childbirth and she had hard travail. So, so the word yalad or childbirth has in it this hope. It has encapsulated within it this hope that, that there's going to be a yelled that's born, a, a little child that's born, you know, a little boy, a little child. So it's going to result in a child. And so, so okay, so the Lord, he, he's, he's really talking about this in, in John 16, 21, in John 16, 21, when he said, a woman, when she is in travail, with sor- hath sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. You know, with our firstborn son, David, Cheryl was in hard labor for 24 hours. And, and so, and, and that was not a pleasant experience. And so when it came time for our second born to be born, she said this verse did not apply to her. <laughs> because she remembered vividly all the pain of the firstborn son. <laughs> but in verse 16, we can see all the pain that's associated with childbirth. And the fact that this is the, the, the time when really a woman comes the closest to death. I mean, she died. Rachel died here. But it's really a time of childbirth when the woman comes uh, closest to death. As a matter of fact, my friend and his wife, who I had dinner with this last week, uh, they're just weeks away from having their firstborn son. It's a happy time, you know. And, and so we were sitting at the dinner table there, and, and we were discussing all the preparations for childbirth, you know. And they were, and they're diligent, you know, and she made a list, you know. I mean, she, <laughs> they, had, they were diligently preparing for childbirth with this checklist, and they had diligently prepared, and they, by packing the bag, I was all ready, you know, and it was ready to go when the time comes. They had diligently prepared by taking the childbirth preparation class and the tour of Sharp Mary Birch Hospital, you know, and yesterday they diligently prepared by taking the Lamaze class, you know, how to get through the pain. But, you know, there's one preparation that, that all expectant mothers should do. All expectant mothers should diligently prepare for death because in childbirth, a woman will come the closest to death. I mean, what would it be like if there were plaques at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital and Sharp Grossmont Women's Center with the Bible verse of Amos 4.12, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. <laughs> what would that be like, okay? <laughs> but that's what it should be. As a matter of fact, uh, all of us should be prepared to meet our God because we don't know when we're gonna die. You know, Isaac said that in Genesis 27.2, in Genesis 27.2, and he said, behold, now I am old and I know not the day of my death. But as we see, all this pain of giving birth is a graphic scene for us of what life is. You know, human life begins with pain. It begins with painful sorrow of childbirth, and it ends with the painful sorrow of the death process. And during life, there are joys, but those joys are mixed with sorrows. You know, I mean, I like roses. I mean, I like roses and, and 
you know, you, you may have seen I got a little rose garden there. And, and I just wait for those most beautiful roses to come, you know. They're so fragrant, like the Doris Day, you know. That's a really good one. And, and then I go out and cut them and, you know, bring them in the house. And, but, but there's only one problem, you know, in the cutting. I hate those thorns. <laughs> I just hate to get stuck by those thorns. I mean, you know, they get the inflammation and everything is terrible. Why are those thorns there? Why are those thorns around those beautiful roses? You know, it just reminds us that in life, we have beautiful joys like roses, but those joys are also surrounded with thorns. I mean, really, that's what we have here in Jacob. When you look at verse 9, look at verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob, wow, and blessed him. Does it get higher than that? And that's one of the greatest high points in Jacob's life. God appeared to Jacob. Great joy to Jacob. God appeared to Jacob. I mean, Jacob is riding high. He's on cloud nine. God's appeared to him. And Jacob must have thought, oh, I'm so happy. I mean, this is really a high point in my life. Nothing is going to go wrong now. And then, boom, comes verse 18. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died. I mean, right in the middle of Jacob's high point in his life, I mean, look at this high point in his life. He's got a new sanctification of getting his house all cleaned up out of the strange gods. He's got a new dedication of building his altar to God. He's got this new appearance of God to him. He's got this new talking of God to him. I mean, he probably thought, man, I finally arrived at this high point. And he's probably thinking, now surely there's only gonna be blessing and blessing and blessing from here on out. No more sadness, no more sorrows, no more tears. It's all gone now. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all this joy that Jacob's got here comes this verse eight comes in like an intrusion. But Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alon Barkuk, which means the oak of weeping. See, like, all of a sudden, he's, got, he's running really high, and all of a sudden comes the death of Deborah, and all this weeping. And then God encourages Jacob, you know, and brings him out of the sorrow in verses 9 through 15, great appearance of God, great confirmation, reconfirmation of promises, great commitments to Jacob. And then comes this passage we're in right now, verses 16 to 20, the death of Rachel, and comes another boom, and it's like a shock, the unexpected death of young, healthy Rachel. And so we see this pattern. You see this pattern so clearly, roses and thorns, roses and thorns, roses and thorns mixed together in life, the roses of the appearances and the words from God, and then boom, the thorns of death and sorrow. And that's what life was for Jacob. And that's what life is for us. It's roses and thorns and roses and thorns and roses and thorns. It's ups and down, ups and down, ups and downs. And it's amazing to see this. And it's also amazing to see how when death comes, it seems to come as double strikes, you know? In our fellowship, it's not just Ken Small. It's Ken Small and Jerry Pollock, you know, the double strike. Why does God allow that? Why did God allow this double thorn after the rose of the double thorn of the death of Deborah, the death of Rachel, after the rose of seeing God. Why? Well, we're told why in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, because there Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure, 
through the abundance of the revelations. He's, Jacob's just seen God. That's a revelation. Through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He starts off by saying, lest I should be exalted above measure. And he finishes by saying, lest I should be exalted above measure. So Jacob was like Paul in that he was blessed with an abundance of revelations of God. And the greatest danger that Jacob and you and I face in life is pride. That's the greatest danger we have. Or what's being called exalted above measure. As God blesses us, so he gives us thorns to keep us from being exalted above measure. So I ask you this morning, got thorns? <laughs> got any thorns in your life? Because then that's because God loves you. And he's keeping those thorns there to keep you from being exalted above measure. Got thorns? Boy, do I have thorns. I'm trying to dodge the recurrence of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I have AFib in the heart. I got a pain now from two kidney cysts, one the size of a baseball, the other size of a golf ball right now. And I got skin lesions discovered last week that lit up on the PET scan, uh, a skin lesion that lit up on the PET scan, and a lymph node on the arm that lit up on the PET scan, and it looks like melanoma. Apart from that, I am fine. <laughs> I got thorns. <laughs> and that makes me feel like Jacob in this chapter in the humbling process. Okay, now, this is a passage on the death of Rachel, as we read in verse 35, 18, crystal clear, she died. And with those two simple words, the, the, the chapter of Rachel's life, it's over. It finishes now. She died. And like, uh, like Rachel, you know, like us, like Rachel, she had her high points. She had her low points in life. But we must never forget that Rachel was used by God to bring into the world two sons of Israel who became the two tribes of Israel. Rachel gave birth to Joseph. And boy, Jacob's favorite son and the son which there's nothing bad written about in the Bible. Ooh, wow. Rachel is to be honored for that. But here in verse 18, we read, she died. And she, and, and, and so she died. So, and she was young, as you said, she was about 50. You know, Rachel, she had unknowingly pronounced her own death with the birth of her last son, which was Joseph, and she actually pronounced her own death when she named Joseph. It was actually the name of Joseph was where she pronounced her own death. In Genesis 30, verse 24, Genesis 30, verse 24, she called his name Joseph. She said, the Lord shall add to me another son. See, Rachel named Joseph, and the meaning of the word Joseph is let him add. So the verse literally reads in Genesis 30, verse 24, and she called his name, let him add, and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And the Lord did answer that prayer of Rachel's and added to her another son in this chapter, and then she died. As a matter of fact, it was the midwife who tried to encourage her during the, her hard labor by, by, by picking up on that. In, in verse 17, you can see it came to pass when she was in hard labor, the midwife said, Under fear not, thou shalt have this son also. You know, this son, this another son, like you said, when you, when you, when you named Joseph. Fear not, thou shalt have the son also. See, with those words, as if the midwife is saying to Rachel, Rachel, don't be afraid. Your prayer to have another son will be answered as you'll have the son also. So with the name of Joseph, Rachel has unknowingly pronounced her own death with the birth of the next son. 
But not only Rachel, it was Jacob who also unknowingly pronounced Rachel's death. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember when, when Jacob unknowingly pronounced the death of Rachel? Yeah, right. It was in Genesis 31 too, when Laban was looking for his false god, and Jacob didn't know who took him. So he makes this pronouncement in Genesis 31 too, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Only he should have said, let her not live. But anyway, okay. Now, then it says, for Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. See, when Jacob said, let him not live, he pronounced the death of his beloved wife, and he didn't know it, because it says, for Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. Jacob said, all the way back in Genesis 31, those words, and then he arrives now in Genesis 35, and where Genesis 35 opens with Jacob wanting to have a clean house of all the gods, and so he says in verse two, then Jacob said unto the household and to all the were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you, be clean. And when Jacob ordered all his house to clean, be clean and put away the strange gods that are among them, then we read in verse four of this chapter, and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand. So can you see the scene? Here's the scene, all the drama. They're all lined up, you know, to give to Jacob all the strange gods that are among them, and they all come, and we can see, you know, this son, he's in the line, and he's got his head hanging, and he's given to Jacob the strange god that was in his hand, you know, one running after the other. And then there's Rachel, and she's standing there too, and she's got her head hung, and she's given to Jacob the strange gods. Only with Jacob, it's only with Rachel, it's different because she gave to Jacob the strange gods of her father that she had stolen. And we can see Jacob looking shocked at Rachel and saying, Rachel, Rachel, it was you that stole your father's God. I didn't know that it was you that stole your father's gods. I see now. I pronounced your death when I said to your father that the person who stole God should die. Now today I see I pronounced your death. And that all happened in verse 2 of this chapter. And then 16 verses later, now in verse 18, we get this, she died. See, Rachel died. So Rachel, okay, let's put that part aside. (laughs) Let's talk about some good stuff about Rachel. She died She really died doing what she wanted the most in life, which was to have children. She wanted children. And Rachel, she had a passionate wish in life. And she expressed it in Genesis 30, verse 1. Genesis 30, verse 1. Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children. She said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. Well, actually, she got children and she died. But anyway, that that was Rachel's wish in life. Give me children or else I die. She got her wish to have children, and she died actually having the children. Okay, but her death was actually her last gain in her life when she gave birth to the life of Benjamin. So it's really Rachel's triumph. She's dying. She's a dying mother giving birth to her child. And again, can't help but see the Lord in this. Now we have in verse 18 this description of Rachel's death. It came to pass as her soul was in departing. That's a description. Her description of her death was her soul was departing. And then it puts it in parentheses, she died, in case we didn't get it. And, you know, it's just like the Lord when he was with Lazarus' grave. You know, he sleepeth. You know, oh, well, if he sleeps, he's doing well. I mean, he died, you know, so very clear for us. So what we see here is that she died, and we're told her death was the departure of her soul. You know, today my friend John is leaving San Diego for Ethiopia. He calls me from the departure lounge, you know, and his departure is at hand. John's departing. That's the way Rachel's death is described here. Her soul is departing. 
Death is not an annihilation. Death is not a ceasing to exist. Death was her departure, as it was for Paul when he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 6, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. No one's going to cease to exist with death. Death is just a departure. California Bill SB 128, the right to die bill, gives citizens the right to commit suicide. It does not result in the annihilation of their souls. It does not result in them ceasing to exist. It only hastens their soul to depart to either heaven or hell if they know the Lord Jesus Christ or don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Death is the departure of the soul. Jewish people often tell me that there's no mention of afterlife in the Torah. Well, here it is. There's an abundance of references to afterlife in the Torah, and this is one of them. Now, it's obvious to the midwife that Rachel's going to die. But it's interesting how the midwife encourages Rachel. You know, it says in verse 17, the midwife said unto her, Fear not, for thou shalt have the son also. You know, the midwife, knowing that she's facing death, she's trying to encourage her. And she encourages Rachel with this temporal hope of having another son. There's no eternal reference in the midwife's encouragement when she says, fear not, you're going to have the son also. You know, Rachel's dying, her soul's departing, and she needs encouragement about Rachel's eternity. And not that she's going to have another son but that, that she's never going to see on earth. But what the, what the midwife did in trying to encourage Rachel with the temporal is so tempting for us. You know, this is what we do. You know, we're seeking to incur, to comfort the dying person, and we say stuff like, you know, they have a new research and new therapies that can now cure the cancer that you have. You'll be cured. Or, you know, this is the best cardiology team that can be found to treat you. Don't worry. You know, all kinds of comforts that are just of earth. And that's not what the dying need. That's not what Rachel needed at that time. Rachel needed to hear of the goodness of God, the eternal God, whose hands she was about to be transferred into. She needed to hear about Psalm 23 and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. She needed to know that she's going to be gathered with her people. You know, at the largest cancer center in the U.S. is MD Anderson in, in, in Texas. And they put out this magazine. And then their, their logo is the word cancer with a red line strike through it. And their emphasis is that they're going to beat cancer. But the reality is the majority of their patients die from cancer. You know, at our cancer clinic, at our cancer clinic in Takati, we surrounded that place with Bible verses about the eternal God and how good he is and how much he cares and how he died for their sins and how he made a home for them forever in heaven. Because we're trying to speak to the hearts of the souls that are departing because we know they need real hope, hope that goes beyond the grave. And I wish the midwife in this chapter would have said, Rachel, fear not, God is waiting on the other side. He's gonna gather you to your people. And and, and we need to encourage the souls that are departing with the words of the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for emphasizing things for us. Thank you for stating them over and over and over again so we can see them. Thank you, Lord, for directing our hearts to the fact that you have prepared a place for us, and you're coming again for us. We pray, Lord, that, that this chapter that we will not forget. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Christmas is here. Join Tom Cantor at the annual Christmas Under the Stars Free Family Festival Christian Event on Saturday, December 10th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Games, rides, petting zoos, family photos, live Christmas music, and a live nativity, holiday food and drinks, a star viewing, and a Christmas light show, and so much more. This year, bring a toy to support Operation Save Christmas, a benefit to help support the hundreds of homeless children in San Diego out on the streets. So join Tom Cantor for this free family festival Christian event, Christmas Under the Stars, on Saturday, December 10th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee. And bring the family and friends for rides, games, animals, music, a live nativity, and so much more. And don't forget to bring that gift for a homeless child. To learn more about Christmas Under the Stars and Operation Save Christmas, call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104. Or go online to creationsd.org. creationsd.org.